Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. And in light of Easter, I have a special show for you today on the resurrection of the body. And kind of right along with that, I'm very eager to share with you about the dumbest sermon I ever preached when I was a Protestant pastor. But hang on for that a minute, because before I talk about my dumbest sermon, I'd like to talk about Coach John Wooden, the former UCLA basketball coach. Probably a lot of you know about Coach Wooden, but just in case a few of you don't, let me mention it. Prior to his beginning coaching at UCLA, the basketball team at the university only had two conference championship seasons in the previous 18 years. When he came there, they won 10 NCAA national championships in a 12-year period, and during this time, his teams won a record of 88 consecutive games. Six times he was named the National Coach of the Year. Now, let me take you to one of the first days of practice with Coach Wooden. Now, these were top-notch players, and of course you can imagine their eager anticipation to know the higher secrets of winning the game of basketball. The coach came in, he sat down, and he said, what we're going to learn today is how to put on our shoes. And this winningest basketball coach takes off his shoes and socks and shows how to carefully put on your socks without any wrinkles and then subsequently put on your shoes so they don't come loose. And with a little smile, he walked off and said, if you don't put your shoes on right, you get blisters. You get blisters, you don't practice. You don't practice, you don't play. You don't play, you don't win championships. So what's the lesson here? You can take a so-so team and take it to national championships with a rigorous focus on the basics. And the same thing comes with catechesis. If you're a parent, a catechist, or even a deacon or a priest, and you want to spiritually form young people who are champions for Christ, then you need to have a determined focus on the basics. Which brings me to the dumbest sermon I ever preached as a Protestant minister. Here I was the week before Easter trying to work on a sermon. And since it was Easter, I thought, really, I need something special, something enlightening, or at least something with a new twist or insight on Easter. And instead, I keep kept getting this nudge to preach on one of the most basic of basic subjects of Christianity, namely the resurrection of the body, and explain that the resurrection particularly involved the body. And I, no, 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 no. This is too simple. If I preach a sermon just emphasizing that the resurrection involves the body, both Jesus's body and our future resurrection hope, our bodies, 
it'll just be a dumb sermon. And I kept trying to put it aside, kept getting a nudge that, no, we need to go with this. And quite to my surprise, I received more positive feedback from what I thought was going to be the dumbest sermon I ever preached on Easter than I had ever preached in a decade in my pastorate. So what we're going to look at today is take a coach wooden approach to the faith. A coach wooden approach to Easter, and we're going to emphasize the basics, because if you have the basics down well, you're well on your way to form champions for Christ. Now, Protestants and Catholics are in complete agreement with the teaching of the Apostles' Creed. The tail end of the creed starts with, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What would you guess is the percentage of Catholics in a nationwide poll who were able to connect the meaning of Easter with the resurrection of Jesus? Actually, the Barna Group did such a survey. And first of all, just the average American adult, only 42% of Americans were able to connect Easter with the resurrection of Jesus. I wasn't planning on saying this, but I have to admit, uh, when I started coming back to Christianity, I was rather confused as far as the difference between Christmas and Easter. I know Christmas had to do with Santa Claus. Easter had to do with eggs and the Easter bunny, but I didn't know what the two had anything to do with Jesus. I was like, I guess, the 42% who couldn't connect the two. But what about Catholics? Surprisingly, the Barna survey found out that only 37% of Catholics listed the resurrection of Jesus as the meaning of Easter. This is actually worse than the general public, which got it by 42%. So in other words, 63% don't get it. And I would dare say, if you surveyed Catholic young people, it would even be worse. What does the Catechism of the Catholic Church say about the resurrection? And today, if you're not driving, you might want to grab a pencil or a pen, write down some scriptures, and write down some very important sections of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I'm going to go to section 638 of the Catechism, which says the following, quote, the resurrection of Jesus is the crowning truth of our faith in Christ, unquote. The crowning truth of our faith, and 63% don't get what goes on in Easter, is related to the resurrection of Jesus, the crowning truth of our faith. And you see, the mistake that I had made several years as a Protestant pastor was thinking, I really need something kind of super for an Easter sermon rather than not realizing that so often the basics are assumed. And so you go on from there, imagining that everybody in your congregation basically knows what Easter's about. So you go on from there and build on that. 
And rather, Coach Wooden wouldn't take the risk of assuming anything for his basketball players. And you're talking about championship college players coming to him, and he starts with putting shoes and socks on. And if you would apply that to the faith, Easter is the time to connect it with the resurrection of Jesus. And when only 30% of Catholics are able to connect it, then we need to go back to the basics. So part A of the Easter hope is that Jesus's resurrection was a bodily resurrection. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus was crucified, he died, and then he was buried in a tomb, and he was there for three days. But at the resurrection, when St. Peter and St. John went to the tomb and the women visited the tomb, they looked in, and guess what? There was no body in there, because the resurrection of Jesus was a resurrection from the dead in bodily form. If it was the resurrection only of his spirit, which many religions of the world believe, uh, then his body would have still been there. But as a result of the resurrection, the tomb was empty. And then Jesus, after he was resurrected, made a real point of letting his disciples know that he was back in a glorified, resurrected, real body. Listen to Luke chapter 24 verses 39 and following. Pretty important verses here. Jesus, see my hands and my feet, that it it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit, that's a ghost or a spook, has not flesh and bones as you see that I have. Verse 41, and while they were still disbelieving for joy and wondered, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Now, he wasn't some translucent spook who they saw a piece of fish kind of go down from his mouth into his stomach. No, he was in a real resurrected, yes, it was a transformed, yes, it was a glorified body. It wasn't simply a spiritual soul existence. Now, commenting on this same topic, in fact, it almost could be a comment from the Catechism of the Catholic Church on Luke 24, here's what the Catechism says in section 645. By means of touch and the sharing of a meal, the risen Jesus establishes a direct contact with his disciples. He invites them in this way to recognize that he is not a ghost and above all, to verify that the risen body in which he appears to them is the same body that had been tortured and crucified, for it still bears the traces of his passion. Yet, at the same time, this authentic, real body possesses the new properties of a glorified body. So that's part A of the Easter hope that Jesus Christ was resurrected bodily from the dead. You need to be very careful in the Western world, which tends to put immaterial things as spiritual and good, 
and physical things as something to be escaped from. This has been plaguing Christianity since the first century. Jesus was incarnate in a real body. He died in a real body. He was buried in a real body, and he was resurrected in a real body. That is the central Christian hope, part A. There's a related part, part B, of the central Christian hope, the Easter hope. It's our hope is that on the last day, our bodies will be resurrected, and our souls will be reunited with real bodies for all eternity. Now listen to this. In a survey in 2006 by the Scripps Survey Research Center at Ohio University, only 36% of the adults surveyed said yes to this question. Do you believe after you die, your physical body will be resurrected someday? 54% of Americans said they do not believe it. 10% were undecided. 36% said yes. Only a third of Americans said they believed that after they died, they would have a resurrected body. Listen to what the Bible says. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 and 1 John was written by St. John, who was at the empty tomb and met the resurrected Christ. He said, Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be. We don't see evidence of this. But we know that when he appears, when Christ appears, we shall be like him. In other words, just as Jesus rose bodily from the dead, on the last day, at the resurrection of the dead, we will be like him and not just be resurrected as spirits, but we will be resurrected with a body. Listen to St. Paul, Romans chapter 8 and verse 23. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. And yet the majority of Americans don't have this hope. And this is supposed to be a Christian nation. The majority of Catholics, significant majority of Catholics, can't connect Easter with the resurrection of Jesus. And then you have a huge portion of our populace, including in our Catholic pews, who can't connect Jesus' resurrection with the resurrection of a body. And of course, if you can't believe that Jesus rose in a new glorified body, how in the world are you going to expect someone to believe that they will be raised in a body? Dr. N.T. Wright, who is an Anglican scholar and recognized perhaps as the world's expert in defending the resurrection of Christ, he said the following, Quote, God will give life not to a disembodied spirit, not to what many people have thought of as a spiritual body in the sense of a non-physical one, but he will give life to your mortal bodies. And then he goes on. 
Paul carefully explains that the spiritual body he describes in 1 Corinthians 15 says, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Now pay a lot of attention. Note that Paul could have said, it is raised a spirit, but he doesn't say that. He says, it is raised a spiritual body. Just like Dr. N.T. Wright, listen to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 990. Section 990, this is one for your children. This is one for yourself. Quote, the resurrection of the flesh, which is actually the literal formulation of the Apostles' Creed, means not only that the immortal soul will live on after death, but that even our mortal body will come to life again. That's from the Catechism. Even our mortal body will come to life again. And now from 996, this is a struggle that's been going on through the ages. From the beginning, Christian faith in the resurrection has met with incomprehension and opposition. On no point does the Christian faith encounter more opposition than on the resurrection of the body. It is very commonly accepted that the life of the human person continues in a spiritual fashion after death. But how can we believe that this body, so clearly mortal, could rise to everlasting life? So you see, the mistake is thinking that the resurrection is some kind of a non-material, non-body phenomena. That is not the Christian hope. Many other religions of the world will agree with that or teach that. The Christian hope is that this body, which is part of my humanity, Satan's not going to win. God is going to claim it for himself for all eternity. Now, what difference does all this make? Well, if you're a parent living in today's world, listen very, very carefully because theology does matter, and what you believe has dramatic consequences for ethics. But to begin with, how a person views their future has a huge impact on their behavior here and now. Now, I just want to be honest with you for a minute. This is just me. You may differ. But for me, I could say, who in the world wants to be a ghost? Honestly, I would rather be a human being than a ghost. And I'd have no eagerness to go to eternal life that involves floating around like Casper the ghost on a cloud. I would much rather be a human. Do you understand this? Now, your kids will probably be too polite, too respectful if they're thinking that the resurrection that we're talking about and singing about and preaching about on Easter is something non-material. But they need to realize that the very essence of our humanity, not just our minds and our spirits, but also our bodies have an eternal destiny. And what we do with our bodies as Christians is important because of this destiny. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is probably one of the more important chapters of the New Testament for everyone living in the West. 
The reason is, Paul had a right to the Corinthians who were living in Greece, who had a Greek world view. And that Greek world view is what I referred to earlier. The spiritual world was immaterial and good. The world of the material was evil. And that's why they, number one, had such a hard time with the incarnation that the good God could become flesh. They also had a very difficult time understanding the resurrection because when they heard St. Paul talk about the resurrection of Jesus bodily, they put it through their worldview grid, so to speak, and the body got filtered out. And that's why the longest chapter in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, was written to try to correct the erroneous Greek worldview that had, so to speak, twisted the gospel. Now, hear this. There is a huge likelihood that your friends and your family and your children are thinking in the precise same way that the Corinthians were. So they could be singing a hymn about the resurrection, reading a gospel account of Jesus's resurrection from the dead, and hear a homily on it, but put it through this grid, and it comes out to some non-material, disembodied existence of which, eh, I'm not too excited to do that, and don't realize the essence of the Christian hope. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, now if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, verse 12, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? No bodily resurrection from the dead, that is. But if there's no resurrection from the dead of Christians, then Christ has not been raised. He's trying to press the logic here. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. It's nothing. If you don't get this, you're zero. We're not talking about hitting the championships. You're talking about losing it big time. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And the reason we recite the creed every Sunday, reason the creed says the resurrection of the body is so you don't miss it. And yet I guarantee you, Westerners do miss it. I've already cited you two polls where it's showing the majority of Americans, including the majority of Catholics, aren't really getting this. And then St. Paul says, verse 19, if you want to know how a college student trying to drink down a keg of beer this weekend is thinking, it's verse 19. If for in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all men to be pitied. And then he goes on saying, what do I gain? If humanly speaking, if I fought with beasts at Ephesus, what's the deal with standing up for Christ in the face of opposition? He says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. St. Paul says, if you're consistent in your beliefs that there's no resurrection of the body, then let's party because this is all there really is. Because to be truly human is to have a body. And if you're one of the tens of millions of Americans who are not seeing a resurrection of the body, the logical consequences of that erroneous belief is party time. 
There was a famous beer ad a number of years ago. You only go around once in this life, so grab all the gusto you can. That's what's happening to our young people. Because nobody has sat down like Coach Wooden and says, we're going to start with the basics, the resurrection of Jesus Christ bodily. Because without that, the ethics disappear. St. Paul goes on to say, don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Come to your right mind and sin no more. I'm going to get worked up on this in a minute. But we're not done yet. Many teachers unintentionally convey an erroneous idea. And it's something that's absolutely true that's said on Ash Wednesday. It's from Genesis 3 and verse 19. When you receive your ashes, it says, you are dust and to dust you shall return. In other words, our body came from the basic elements of the world, of the earth. And when we're buried as a consequence of sin, we go back. Now, that's true. But to teach that to anyone, that Ash Wednesday is the last word, is so wrong, I don't even have words to describe how wrong that is. Ash Wednesday is not the last word. It's the first word. It's the consequence of sin. But because of sin, we have a Savior who came to this earth. And the last word isn't to dust you shall return. The last word is Easter. The last word is the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. The last word is our futurely bodily resurrection on the last day because of Jesus' bodily resurrection. And to imply by words or by silence that to dust you shall return is the eternal state of Christians instead of a glorified bodily existence is an implicit denial of the central Christian hope. So, preachers, teachers, catechists, and especially parents, take a tip from Coach John Wooden and focus on the basics this Easter. And don't take it for granted that the adults and children in your family and in your parish have really grasped them. And homeless, please take a tip from me and preach a really dumb, excuse me, a really wise sermon on the basics this Easter, the resurrection of the body. You've been listening to episode 26 of Faith and Family Radio. Till next time, this is Steve Wood. Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.